Welcome to the Financial Copilot podcast and video channel where airline pilot and CFP professional Dan Lomar shares techniques, interviews, and perspectives about financial planning and life in general for airline pilots. Here's your host, Dan Lomar. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to another episode and thanks for tuning in once again. Today, we are talking about PBGC. A couple weeks ago, I did a video on Social Security, uh, why delay Social Security versus you know taking it right away at 65, why delay without age 70. And this is a very natural follow-on to that because I actually got some questions. Uh, one of the recommendations was, hey, can you do the same video but talking about PBGC? There are certainly some similarities and there are certainly some differences. So that's what we're talking about today. And uh, before we get going, if you haven't done it, remember to subscribe, hit the bell icon down below, and um, uh, share this video, okay? So I always say it, hey, the folks who need to hear this information are probably not the ones watching the video. So share it on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, email it to your fellow pilots, everybody you fly with, uh, whoever, just so we get the word out there because all the conversations I'm still having, folks are still surprised about different things I'm saying about PBGC. That's kind of what we're talking about today. So remember to share it. And also what we're doing today on the videos, we're just kind of going over a checklist I made up and I've got that link down below in the show notes on YouTube. Uh, and if you're listening to this on the podcast, we'll have it here. Uh, we'll have it in those show notes also. Otherwise, just come on over to YouTube, click on the link, and uh, you'll be able to see the checklist. But that's kind of what we're going over today. Without further ado, let's get right into it. The first thing I do in this checklist is uh, really just kind of point out some good gout, di different things that as I bring up, uh, kind of, I still see kind of surprise people a little bit here and there. So if you go on PBGC's website, uh, we have a plan number for the United Pilots, uh, and it's right there on the che checklist. So uh, you may or may not need that when, the, when you log in. Uh, but the big thing to know about this, one of the big things that can catch you off guard, because it did catch me off guard one time, is that it takes about four months from the time you apply for benefits until uh, benefits actually start to pay out. So just keep that in mind. If you want those benefits to start the month after you retire or on a certain date, just kind of keep that in mind. You have to lead turn that three to four months. PBGC can now be laid out to age 72. It used to be 70 and a half, and now I believe it was, I believe when they increased the uh, age for required minimum distributions, I believe they uh, increased the PBGC age age 72 so you can actually delete out to age 72 so that's good to know uh, and, and a little caveat to that or 70 and a half for participants who are attained 70 and a half before age uh, before january 1st 2020 i don't think that applies to many to too many active pilots out there uh, but i figured i'd throw that out there so again it can be delayed out to age 72 why delay it well because it gets bigger it gets bigger every year delay uh, and that's one of the that's one of the things that is probably most commonly missed because once you start uh, beginning, once you start taking PBGC benefits, it does not increase. So there's no inflation adjustment. But until that time, it does go up, and it's because that's just the way an annuity works: is that that value that it pays out to you increases. So that's one of the big things to know. Now, the formula for how much it increases is not the same as it is for Social Security. That one's fairly cut and dry. So how much it goes up between 65 and 70 or 72, that really depends on your personal situation, your spouse, your beneficiary, what the life expectancy is going to be of, of both of you. 
So that's a big factor, and that's why it's not, it's not exactly the same. You have different options to choose different survivor benefits, and so each one of those benefits has a different uh, kind of payout period. So that's why how much it increases for each year you delay is not the same. We're gonna talk about that benefit increase here just in just a little bit. Uh, once you start the benefits, you cannot suspend them, so you can't start them, say, hey, I'm gonna wait for, I went out and got a job, now I'm gonna, I wanna suspend them. You can't do it, once they start, they start. The other thing is too, is once they start, you can't change your annuity option. So if you had chosen a straight life annuity or a joint survivor annuity, whatever the case may be, uh, you can't change that once you start taking uh, benefits. Speaking of that, the automatic form of annuity for United Pilots is the joint and 50% survivor annuity for married couples and the straight life annuity for, uh, for single. The reason you'd wanna know that is because it comes into play if you were to pass away before you actually started receiving benefits. So uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that right now. Uh, hey, on the checklist too is I've got a link to the PBGC website, uh, Frequently Asked Questions section. Hey, I'm just touching the highlights right here. So click on that link and go in. There's a ton of great questions um, that really kind of clarify some things. So again, take their word for it. Go get the official answers on the PBGC website and that um, link is on uh, this checklist. So as far as like running through the checklist, say you're coming up in retirement, really the first thing you wanna do is you wanna create an account. If you haven't done so, create an account or create a login to my PBGC. I've got the link right here in the checklist. You can do that with, uh, they've changed the login procedures now. So even if you previously had an account, uh, click on that link. They use login.gov now as uh, their login access. So you probably have to recreate uh, username, password, and I believe social security uses as the same login process. Um, so go ahead and do that. So once you're on there, biggest thing I always recommend to clients, as soon as I start working with someone coming up in retirement, as I say, go get your estimates. Go get your estimates for at a minimum 65, 70, and 72. Uh, it didn't used to be 72, but now we can delay at the age 72. So go get your estimates so that we can sit down and we can run the analysis and look when, you know, what's the what's the risk reward, what's the payoff by delaying so that you can make an informed decision. Uh, your option, your benefit option. Uh, when you get that statement, it's got all your options. This is kind of what it looks like right here. Let me bring that one up real quick. Uh, this is a generic one. So you can see here, once you get the, your optional benefit form, it gives you some information. It gives you like what date you might be starting your benefits. Uh, and then these are all the different annuity options. They're gonna be listed right here. So it's gonna say what your benefit is, what the survivor benefit is. So it just goes through and lists all the, uh, all the different options on there for you. Um, so that, the big reason you wanna do that is again, you, you're comparing ages and, and so again that benefit statement is only for one age so you have to request another one for a different age so you kind of see what those are going to be again i always say hey that at least uh, get 65 and 70. if for some reason you were taking age uh, you were still working and you wanted to begin pbgc at age 60 um, definitely make that comparison i know some have done it because they're afraid it's going to go away and but i'm not i i, I don't I don't see that. But the big thing to know about that too is just know if, you, if you're gonna take it and say, hey, I just want some extra income, very likely if you're still working and you take it at age 60, you're, you're only getting tax in, your high, in one of your highest tax brackets. So just take that into mind, into, into account, and then definitely if you were considering that, hey, run the break-even analysis or run the, you know, kind of look at the analysis of what that's gonna be over your lifetime, the difference between that and delaying. 
Um, because some people will say, hey, I'm going to take it at age 60 and I'm going to invest in the stock market. Okay, well, I'm going to, you know, it's not, it's not the same. It's not apples to apples comparison. And I talked about that in the Social Security video is you're taking two different forms of payment and, and, um, yeah, and money in, 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 in you're investing one in a risky asset uh, and versus taking uh, a guaranteed income. So it's not quite the same thing. And I'll, and I'll talk about that here in just a second to kind of show you what that rate of return is by just leaving it alone. Um, so anyway, get your, get your estimates. Um, it used to be that PBGC would mail them to you. Actually, they still mail them to you and it would take seven weeks, they'd always say. Uh, I actually just did this recently. I do it about once a year, just kind of keep up with the process of what it takes to log in and, and uh, keep my uh, username and password up to date, all that good stuff. Uh, and I think I got mine in about a week and a half, actually, in the mail. And what they actually do now is they actually have an electronic form on the website. Um, there is a, a tab at the top called My Documents, and um, uh, they'll, keep it, they'll keep it right there. So anything you've ordered, uh, you can just download on the spot. So that's good to know. They've actually created a, a little bit of uh, uh, efficiency in the past couple of years. All right, so the big question, once you get your statement, the big question is, well, hey, when should I start PBGC? Should I take it at age 65? Should I delay it to age 70, 72? What are all the different things that we consider in doing that? And, uh, and like in Social Security, I think the biggest thing people look at first and kind of glom onto is that break-even age. And I'm going to pull up a chart here just to kind of show you uh, some differences as an example. So here's someone I'm working with right now uh, who just turned 65, and these are their annuity, these are their new, their annuity options. Uh, so a 50% survivor annuity at age 65 right now is $39,996. So let's just call it $40,000. If the delay out to age 70 is 65,808, so you know, roughly $66,000 a year. So a fair amount different. Um, it's, you know, let's just call it $26,000 per year different by delaying five years. And then the other thing that surprises folks is that here you are at age 70, let's say you take a straight life annuity. And again, this is for somebody that's, you know, coming up on 65 right around now, which is, you know, March uh, 2022, because this is gonna be different, like for someone who's me who doesn't retire for, for uh, 11 or uh, 10 or 11 years. But anyway, so here's someone coming up, straight life annuity, $73,000 a year. Pretty good, and generally speaking, that's way more than what most people think it's gonna be. So just kind of keep that in mind, get your estimates, don't blow off, so don't blow off PBGC, because so many times I hear people say, oh, it's nothing, nah, it's not gonna even worth anything. No, you might be pleasantly surprised in how much it does, and again, we build an income floor. You want to build an income floor so you have a very, very stable base of income and everything you have that adds towards that income floor, Social Security, PBGC, military, whatever the case may be, it all adds up. So definitely uh, take that into account. So let's take a look at this. We're going to take a look at annual benefit 65 over the 50% joint and survivor annuity versus taking that at age 70. Let's see what that looks like on the chart. And so if you look here at the orange line, the orange, uh, excuse me, let's back up the black line. The black line is if we had started that benefit at age 65, and that black line represents your lifetime accumulated value of the PBGC payout. That's age 65. Now we look at the orange line. The orange line is, well, I delayed at age 70. Uh, the orange line accumulates, obviously accumulates, it's delayed five years, but accumulates faster because it's a bigger payout. 
And so you can kind of compare what is my accumulated lifetime value of these two things. You can see in this particular situation, the break-even age is about 76, 77 years old. Very easy to see that. And then for the rest of your life, that accumulated value is more and more and more and more. If we look at uh, the blue line, this is what I always like to point out because especially when somebody says, well, I'm gonna invest it in the stock market. Um, this is the actual rate of return you would get. It's called the internal rate of return. This is the actual internal rate of return you would get by delaying that money, okay? It's not investing it anywhere. It's basically your reward in terms of interest rate or rate of return by delaying that money. As you can see here, at your break-even age, it's zero. Yeah, because it was actually negative for this, uh, uh, for this period up until this point. And so here at uh, 77 or so, you can see it's zero. But from that point forward, we've given up a fixed amount of income and we get more and more and more and more each year. So that blue line goes up and up and up and up. And it's really, really hard to beat. So if we look at all the way out at age 90, it's a plus 9% rate of return. It's a risk-free rate of return. It doesn't fluctuate. It's not going away. You know, the government has a big pocketbook, so that's a pretty good rate of return. And being that it's risk-free rate of return, no volatility, very, very difficult, uh, if not impossible, to, to get the same risk-adjusted rate of return by investing that in the stock market. So keep that in mind. Now, yeah, it does take to age a uh, 90 and plus to get a 9% rate of return on your money. But keep in mind, this is a longevity strategy to begin with, okay? So we're looking at hedging that longevity risk by delaying these things. And again, it's an income source you can't outlive. It's not going to go away. So that's the reason we look at that. But even if you just looked at it at age 73, you know, hey, you're still at about a 7% rate of return. And again, it's not that money isn't growing. It's just that that's the calculation we use for comparison reasons on uh, different uh, investment and uh, investment in financial decisions. So always keep that in mind and uh, do that same comparison for yourself. But that's what I do just to kind of show folks, hey, look, this is this is one of the reasons, you know, all this is, you know, this is one of the reasons we uh, we would consider delaying. All right, going back to the checklist. So we looked at the internal rate of return. You know, again, we're kind of looking at the difference between that orange line, that black line is the uh, potential lifetime difference of accumulated lifetime income from delaying. Uh, but the next question is, can you afford to delay? So this kind of goes back to the question of when is the time I wouldn't delay? Well, there is a lot of factors in it. Uh, some people just prefer to turn it on at age 65 or sooner rather than later. Some people prefer to delay it one or two years. There's no wrong, completely wrong or right answer, but you can make an informed decision. But the one thing I would say about this is, again, if let's just say you don't have a large investment portfolio and like going through that portfolio, living off that portfolio for the first five to seven years was going to deplete it uh, to zero or substantially bring it down, you know, 70 or 80 percent below potentially what it started to be. I don't know that I would do it then because I would be giving up a lot of liquidity in future years to do that. So that'd be a situation where if I didn't have the money to live off of during that time period, uh, then uh, I would probably say, hey, look, probably would rather start it sooner than later. But in, with that in mind, how do we delay that period? What is one of the best ways to live off investments or uh, other financial assets during that five to seven year delay period. One of the things I recommend clients do is if they fill up all their buckets, all college is paid for, they filled up their 
their uh, PRAP buckets, their IRAs, and all this other stuff. Sometimes you might just say, hey, I'm just going to accumulate cash in my last, you know, four, five, six years before I retire. I'm just going to build up some cash. That way I can live off that cash. Not Maybe not cash, but, you know, very, very safe investments, money market, CDs, things like that. And that way I can live off that during the first five to seven years. And I'm in a very, very low tax bracket. And then I can do Roth conversions during that time period. So that's one thing to think about. Um, I've also had somebody who had bought an annuity many years ago, and we turned that into a five-year period. Certain annuity gives them five years of income during that time period, and they also had some cash value and a life insurance policy. So that's another thing. So there's different things you can do um, to, uh, to bridge that gap. So those are some things about I would think about, but if your portfolio was of such a size it was gonna deplete it, I might be a little bit hesitant to do that while you're delaying that period. So, uh, so uh, you know, that'd be, again, that'd be one of those situations I'd be more inclined to uh, start it sooner uh, rather than delay it. And then coordinating it with Social Security, you know, sometimes folks will start one, not the other. Uh, delay both, take them both, you know. So again, there's, there's different, different ways to do it. And a big one too is a survivor uh, consideration. So remember, say your break-even age is 77 years old, and uh, that makes sense to you, but the common question is, well, what if I pass away before age 77? I totally get that. But again, when I do a plan, nobody's planning on dying at age 77. I mean, the, most of the plans I'm doing, life expectancy is 90, 93 years old. So yeah, that's the plan. We're planning on living past that. So why wouldn't you make that decision based on what the plan says? But the other thing about it too is that also keep in mind what your what your spouse's survivor um, uh, situation is going to be. Because uh, you know you could potentially say, hey, you start PBGC at seventy, you pass away at seventy-one, but you're getting the maximum benefit uh, or is or a big benefit, and so you're you're and you chose a joint and 100% survivor annuity, that goes on to your survivor, your spouse, okay? So that makes a big difference. It's not a loss by delaying and you pass away early because you have to consider the lifetime benefit of the survivor also. So keep that in mind and then also sequence of returns risk, which is the risk of pulling assets from your investments during years of negative performance. Okay, so that'd be a situation where if we're pulling money from our 401k, our PRAP, our IRAs to live off of, and we had negative performance in a year, that'd be a situation where I'd be like, hey, look, maybe we should evaluate turning it on. So what we do is we say, hey, we're going to plan on delaying it, but if we come into a situation where it just makes sense, we're going to reevaluate it every six to 12 months, and then uh, we'll continue with what we're doing or, or we'll turn it on. So that's the thing about it is we don't just blindly say we're gonna delay day 70, we can reevaluate it as time goes on. So quickly, last thing about it is there's a ton, of, uh, there's a lot of uh, survivor and annuity options, straight life annuities, joint and 50%, joint and 100%, there's period certain annuities. Those are all the things that you're gonna wanna make a decision on as to what you choose and again, um, if something were to happen to you before you started benefits, before you started taking benefits, the default option is a joint 50% survivor annuity. So that means that is for a married person and 100% uh, or a straight life annuity uh, for a single person. Straight off the PBGC website, uh, if you die before applying for benefits, your spouse 
uh, your spouse as a benefit as uh, will receive a benefit as though you had retired with a joint and survivor annuity just before you had died. So that's what they're saying. Your your survive your surviving spouse after you were to pass away before you started benefits, uh, you would she, he or she would not be able to go on and go. Oh, well, I want a hundred percent survivor annuity now. Well, yeah, of course you do because that's the biggest payout for for a survivor. Uh, but the default again is a joint and 50% survivor annuity. So you cannot make your uh, annuity option until you file for benefits. Um, and what I see too, and this is another reason for the fact that it is a 50% survivor annuity, for some who want 100% survivor annuity, that's another reason they take at age 65 is because they don't wanna take a chance of passing away during the delay period and then uh, their, their spouse would be stuck with a smaller uh, payout benefit. So that's another reason to kind of hedge your bets and say, hey, I'm gonna take it to 65 because I, I don't want any change in income beneficiary, uh, any income to my spouse if I, something were to happen to me. So that's another reason uh, to keep that in mind. And then another question that comes up every once in a while is you know, the biggest benefit payout is a straight life annuity. There's no survivorship option with that. And so one of the questions I hear come up, one of the things I hear get proposed from, uh, from those who might prefer insurance, uh, insurance uh, solutions would be, hey, take the survivor annuity, take the straight life annuity, it's the biggest payout, and then um, you're gonna take the pay difference and you're gonna buy an insurance policy that would insure your spouse's benefit. So then your spouse would actually be insured by that other policy. Uh, rather than uh, a smaller 50% or 100% survivor annuity. So that's one of the, uh, the things, but uh, I'm not a big fan of that. Preference, okay, hey, maybe you're in a situation that that works better for you. Maybe you can find an insurance policy that that works better with. I ran the numbers on it only one time, and it was a long time ago. Maybe things have changed, but what I did, what I found is that it didn't just didn't pay for itself, that the, the income difference from the larger uh, straight life annuity did not cover the costs of a commercial insurance policy that would pay at least the same survivor benefit in, in life insurance. I just, I did, I didn't see it. Uh, if you can find it out there, hey, good on you. But that's not what I, that not, that's not what I could find. But in, in the big picture on that, this is the way I look at it: is like um, if you have a joint and fifty percent or a joint and hundred percent survivor annuity, that smaller payout. Uh, from those annuity options, that smaller payout, the amount that is less than a straight uh, life annuity, is that's the cost of insurance. That's, that's, that's the cost you're giving up so that your spouse or your survivor has an income after you pass away. That's the cost of it. So if you were to take that cost and go out on the commercial market and try to find an equivalent annuity for the time thing, either you're an equivalent in life insurance policy or an equivalent annuity, I think it's tough to do, and I think the biggest reason is because uh, the government and the commercial insurance companies essentially use the same actuarial and life expectancy tables. The government is not in the business of making money off insurance policies where commercial companies are. And so I think that would be the biggest thing, but hey, look, if you go out and find one, um, so be it, but my default option is I generally don't, I'm not gonna run the numbers on that because I've seen it before, and uh, I, doubt if, I doubt if it would pay off significantly. So anyway, hey, that's it. A uh, lot to cover there, and I hope that kind of uh, answers some questions. Download the checklist, and uh, like I said, there's some useful links on there. Download the checklist, 
and uh, you know, look over your benefit options and kind of compare those for you and your financial plan, see what works best for you and your spouse, your survivor, whatever the case may be for you. So, hey, um, hope that helps. Uh, appreciate, I appreciate the feedback I've been getting on these videos. Uh, very, very helpful uh, to get the, uh, the positive feedback. I appreciate that. But anyway, remember to, uh, if you haven't done it, subscribe, hit the bell icon and share this information, share it on email, LinkedIn, tell people about it, whatever. Tune in next time. Till then, fly safe.